my wife and I had finally had an opportunity. We couldn't find the movie, movie anywhere. It's so hard to find this movie, but this movie came out called Unplanned. I don't know if you have heard of it. It's a movie about a, uh, the, the youngest, uh, youngest woman to ever run a Planned Parenthood. She was the director of Planned, Parent, Planned Parenthood Clinic where they do abortions. And she won Employee of the Year and stuff like that through Planned Parenthood. And then during her process of being there as a director, she came to the realization that uh, what she was doing was wicked. And she got out of it. And she uh, got right with God and uh, started going against them. And, of course, they tried to sue her and everything else, and it didn't hold it. It's a really interesting movie. It's very, very graphic because it shows what they do in an abortion, which I was completely... I, a lot of the stuff that showed her dealing with, I had never... Being a man, I'm, I've never even heard anybody talk about this stuff. So it's re real eye-opening for me. And if you have an opportunity to see that movie, I encourage you to see it. But you don't want to see it, you know, with, around young kids or anything like that. I mean, it's a grown-up. It's rated R. But it's not rated R for the cussing. There's no cussing or anything, no sex. It's just very graphic. Uh, there's a lot of blood in there showing what happens in an abortion stuff. But if you get a chance to see that movie, see it. I hadn't been able to find it. You can't rent it on Redbox. We, I haven't been able to see it for sale at Walmart or anything. I think that they're trying to keep the movie out of people's hands. And the only way I was able to see it was I, was, I had to go on Amazon and, and rent it and, and, and stream it through the Internet. So if I, I, it'd be a movie, I, I, I don't know if I would show it up here, you know, at church because it's just so, it's, a, it's, a, it's a downer kind of movie. I mean, it, it shows a lot of graphic stuff. It's got a good story and it's got a good ending, of course, because anything, anytime anybody gets involved with the Lord, it's always a good ending. I promise you it'd be, it's a good ending in your life, but it's, uh, it's real interesting. Go on YouTube. If you're interested in what I'm talking about, go on YouTube and type in Unplanned uh, Abby Johnson. The, the lady's name is Abby Johnson. There's a lot of you. Well, she's given her testimony up on YouTube to different churches, and you can kind of find out what the movie's about because she gives a detailed description of what her life is like. But uh, I tell you what, man, we live in a wicked, wicked society, Amen. and it gets... Have you seen what people they're down there, they're protesting uh, Trump and everything. You've seen that what they've been doing, like going and spitting in people's face and, and beating people up because they had the wrong hat on. And I saw them, they're, they're trying to change the climate. And they have like, it showed about 18 or 20 of these men and women dancing, just in the street dancing, doing this weird dancing stuff. And they think that's going to that's gonna change. That's gonna, and, and their men dressed like women dance around just like it's, it's like, uh, it's like when Elisha, Elijah was fighting with the prophets of Baal, trying to bring down the fire from heaven. It's like they're, they're acting like the prophets of Baal. I mean, all this left is for them to start cutting themselves. I mean, it's a cra we're living in the craziest times. I mean, if you don't think the Lord's about to come back, you're crazy. I mean, the Lord could come back at any time. And I sure hope he does. I hope he does and straightens this mess out. You know, not that I want anybody to go to hell, but I sure don't want to see their hellish behavior anymore on my TV or anywhere else around me. Because if it's happening up there, it won't be long before it'll be happening down here in our, in our towns. Because uh, I've seen, I seen them. Some, they, had a, they had a hamburger joint. A hamburger joint. They had these vegans. Is that how you say it? Vegans or is it vegans? Vegans. These vegans are standing in front of this hamburger joint, and here's this big six-foot-five guy about the size of Justin. He walks up there trying to get a hamburger, and they won't let him in. So he gets mad, and he starts pushing these guys out of the way, and this one guy grabs him. One of these little skinny vegans grabs this big old guy, and he turns around like he's going to punch him, and he starts screaming and hollering at him and everything. And these vegans are sitting there, and one of them yells out, Just go get your hamburger, you know. They're crazy. 
You, you, I tell you what, you only get punched in the face, you just try to stop me from going to Storm's Hamburgers. That's the best way. If I walked in Storm's, they're like, you, you know, we, we're, we're protesting here. What guy? You know, in, the, I was, in the name of the Lord. You know, nah. I shouldn't be slapping people around, but the, the point is, is that these people are absolutely out of their minds. If you don't have their opinion, if you don't have the same opinion they, they have, they think you should be killed. And, and whipped and beat and be, lose your job. And it's just these people are absolutely, absolutely nuts. And I, I know I've been going off and on about that for weeks, but it just scares me to see this society and that, that our kids are, grow, are being raised in. Look at Genesis chapter 18 this morning. Genesis chapter 18. I, we're going we're gonna to stay here in Genesis 18. Starting there in verse 1. And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamera, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, it's talking about Abraham. And Abraham has the Lord appear unto him. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground and said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. When I was doing my Bible reading, uh, Earlier this year, I came across these verses, and the Lord's laid it on my heart to preach it. But what I realized from reading these verses is that Abraham, Abraham's going to show us in these verses, Abraham's going to show us how to be a servant, a servant of the Lord. Amen. He's going to show us how we as Christians can be a servant of the Lord. Amen. So back in uh, Genesis chapter 18, what you have here is you have Abraham... And Abraham's minding his own business. And here comes the Lord with two angels. And they come, they show up. And he sees them from the tent door. And he runs out and he throws himself on the ground, bows down. And he says, he calls himself their servants. He calls himself the servant of the Lord. Now, what's interesting about Abraham is, and, and people forget it, sometimes people forget this about Abraham. Abraham is the father of three major religions, the three major religions of the whole world. He's the father of, of course, the Jewish religion. He's the father of us, the Christian religion. And he's also the father of the Islamic religion. So outside of Buddhism, outside of, of Buddhists, you, you, you take, if you exclude Buddhism, I mean, there's nothing as big as uh, the Jewish and the Islam and uh, Christianity. That's it. And you see, here's this one man that's the father of all those. So if there's anybody who should, who should be able to tell us how we should serve God, it should be the father of three of the, ma the, three of the biggest religions in the whole world. Amen. It's amazing to think about that, that this guy Abraham. So he's going to show us. And what the first thing he shows us that is found there in verse 2. And he lifted, up, he lifted up his eyes and looked and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. It says he bowed himself to the ground. The first thing you need to know about serving the Lord is you need to serve the Lord in humility. In humility. Being humble. Uh, take, it's going to take away your pride. Guys, when you start serving the Lord, it's going to humble you down because you're going to have people that don't like you. You're going to have people that talk bad about you. You're going to have some of your own family members turn against you. 
And it's going to humble you down, and you've got to have a humble heart. You can't go in with pride thinking, okay, I'm going to serve the Lord, and everybody's going to start loving me, and I'm going to be a big shot. And, you know, I, have, I actually, uh, when I was down in Pensacola, I, I had some, met some really young guys, I mean, in their early, early 20s, and they were learning how to preach, and they were learning the Bible, and they were, they were going to go out and serve God, and they were going to go out and, and, and go to this mission field. And these were young, young guys, and they were telling me, and you could see it in their eyes. They thought they were going to be uh, celebrities. Like they were going to be preachers and people were going to start bowing down to them and people were going to start, now that they're a preacher, now people are going to look up to them and people are going to start treating them different and giving them respect. <laughs> it don't work that way. I can tell you, it hasn't worked that way for me at least, you know. But the, the point is, is you've got to serve the Lord in humility. And let me tell you something, uh, Abraham, if you understand the Bible and you study the Bible out at this time, Abraham's one of the richest, if not the richest man in the whole world, the known world at the time. He's very, very wealthy. He had plenty of servants. He had plenty of uh, maids. He had, uh, uh, he had all this uh, land. He had all this, this, the, the cattle. Anything you could want, that was Abraham. And here's a man, one of the richest men in the world, bowing down. And look, end of verse 2. And he bowed himself toward the ground. That's humility. So if you're going to serve the Lord, like Abraham's showing us, you need to serve the Lord in humility. Verse 4, let a little water, Abraham tells him, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of, morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts. After that ye shall pass on, for therefore are ye come to, to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. So he sees the Lord come, and it, there's two angels with the Lord. Now, in, scholarly, theology-wise, this, this Lord here is Jesus Christ. It's called a theophany. It's, called, it's Jesus Christ pre-incarnate. Before he was incarnated into a man, this is Jesus Christ. This is who he's talking to. And you see this all through the Bible. When men, men are talking to the Lord, they're talking to Jesus Christ because he is the Word. He is, the, he, is Je, he is God manifest out as Jesus Christ. So you got God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. It wasn't just Jesus Christ in the New Testament. That's when he's given his name. But before then, he's walking along and he's calling him the Lord. So he's, here's the Lord and he comes along. And what, what Abraham shows us there in verse 5, and he says, I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your Hearts, comfort ye your hearts. If you're going to serve the Lord, you need to you need to be serving Him and pleasing the Lord. Amen. You have a servant attitude. It, 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 there's a, you have to you have to serve the Lord and in pleasing the Lord. Our, our, our whole the whole uh, the whole job of a servant is to please his master. The whole ser job of a servant is to please his Lord. And here. Here Abraham shows us, here's a rich man, he humbles himself down and he says, look, verse 5, I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts, after that ye shall pass on, for therefore are you come to your servant. Very interesting, he says, he says, that's why you come to me, so I can take care of you, so I can please you, so I can please you. The Lord likes to be with those that want to be with him. The Lord likes to be with those that want to be with him. And Abraham's saying, that's why you came along, because you know what I'll do. You know I'll try to do those things that please you. So we should be, uh, be God-pleasers. Our life, everything we do should be a life of trying to please God. Trying to see what we can do to please God, to make God happy. 
to do those things. It's God, sometimes, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, sometimes Christianity is not as, is not as simple as, is this a sin or is this not a sin? Or it's as simple as, would the Lord be pleased if I did this? You know, I, I say this all the time, but some Christians, Christians think that whatever the government says is what's right for a Christian to do. You know, if the, government, if the government says it's okay for us to look at pornography or smoke a cigarette or drink a beer or whatever it is, you just let, let the, the government allow you to do a lot of things that I know that the Lord would not be pleased with me doing. This comes back to tattoos. I have a lot of people come up to me and they'll say, well, where in the Bible? It doesn't say it. And I'll show them something in the Old Testament. Well, that's Old Testament. We're living in the New Testament. And I try to say, you know what? That same God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. And he spoke, he spoke against tattoos in the Old Testament, but it doesn't say, he didn't speak against it in the New Testament. I said, well, let me tell you something. I look at God like a father. And it, would my father be pleased with me doing that? No, he wouldn't. Now, you might see your father in a different light. I know my father wouldn't be. That's why so many people, so many young guys, they get tattoos and they hide them from their dad and their things. They know their dad's not pleased. Is it a sin? I don't know. That's between you and God. But I know I'm not going to do it. I'm going to try not to do it simply because I know it won't please my God. As a servant of the Lord, we need to be pleasers. Amen. We need to be pleasers. We need to say, does this please the Lord? Verse, verse 6, And Abraham hastened unto the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready Quickly, three measures of fine meal needed and make cakes upon the earth. Now, uh, she's going to make him some cake. And, and Abraham says, come on, let's get some bread. Let's, and what this represents, brothers and sisters, what this represents is she's making this bread and she's kneading this bread and she's getting the dough and she's working on this. Bread in the Bible is a great type of the Word of God. And you're, not, you're going to have to serve the Lord in the, you're going to have to serve the Lord in the truth of the Word of God. You're going to have to serve the Lord in the truth of the Word of God. You can't serve the Lord outside of the, the truth of the Word of God. Because it goes back to what I just said. How do you know it pleases God? How do you know it doesn't please God? Because of what the Word of God says. Amen. Not because of some feeling I have or something that somebody else tells me or some preacher preached one time. I don't care what some preacher preached. I want to hear what the Word of God says. Amen. The Word of God is where you're going to serve the Lord. To serve, to serve the Lord, you've got to serve it in the truth of the Word of God. And here it says here in this fine, she has quickly three measures of fine meal. And she needs it and makes cakes upon the earth. A lot of this speaks to what the Word of God really is. The Word of God is bread, but to get that, you've got to work at this stuff. Man, it don't come easy. I mean, I, I was just telling uh, the guys up in Sunday school class. We had Sunday school class, and I told them I, I, at, 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 one, at, at one given time, I had ten, diff, 10 different books opened up on my desk, not counting the Word of God, studying about the apostles. And it took me three hours to teach about a 20-minute Sunday school lesson. This stuff, some of the stuff you get into it, it's just, it's work, it's needing, it's needing. Study to show thyself approved. A workman that needs not be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. There's, there's a lot of study that goes in. It's not just reading the word of God. You've got to study the word of God. You've got to get this stuff out. And that's what it comes into. And you can't be a servant without knowing the, the word of God. You can't be a servant of the Lord without knowing his, what pleases him, what doesn't please him, what he wants you to do, what he doesn't want you to do, what he likes what he doesn't like, all these things. Well, how do you know that? How does a servant know that? You know it by the words. You know it by the word. Now, verse 7. 
And Abraham ran into the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man and he hasted to dress it. So first he's going to make some bread for him. And that's showing him being a servant in the word of, the truth, of the word of God. Being a servant in the word of God. Now verse 7 teaches us a great truth that a lot of Christians don't do. And this includes me too sometimes. Verse 7 teaches us this. And Abraham ran into the herd and fetched, and fetched a calf tender and good. If you're going to serve the Lord, you're going to have to give him the best of your best. Amen. Don't just run out. See, Abraham didn't run out there and say, oh, man, it's the Lord. And he runs out there and he says, see that calf over there that's got the broken leg and it's kind of lame. And grab that little skinny one, bring it over here. No, Abraham ran out and it says Abraham picked out the best. Amen. And if you're going to serve the Lord, you need to serve the Lord with the best of your best. Can I say this? Can I say that we as Christians need to stop giving the Lord God our leftovers? Amen. We give all our heart to our jobs. Some of us give all our heart to our family. Some of us give all our heart to sports or to hunting. or You just pick, pick anything. To our hobbies. To our entertainment. To our vacations. We give our heart to all this stuff. And then the leftovers, we give a little bit of that to the Lord. Amen. And the Lord doesn't want it that way. The Lord wants us, and Abraham's showing us, if we're going to serve the Lord, if we're going to say we're servants of the Lord, like Abraham said, he says, I'm going to serve you by giving you the best of the best. I'm going to give you my best, Lord. The Lord doesn't, it's not about, it's not about the, the quality of it sometimes. It's just, it, you know, you don't have to be the best person on the team. You just got to be the hardest worker. And sometimes, you know, uh, I love to watch football. When I watch football, when I see a guy out there, he might be the most talented guy out there. But if he's not trying, I don't like him. But you might have some guy out there, he's got two left feet and he's running. And, but he's running hard. And when the football's on the other side of the field, here he goes running after the football. He might be the slowest guy on there, but he's always trying. He's always giving his best. And that's all the Lord expects out of us. The Lord knows our limitations. The Lord knows He created us. He knows that some of us are slow at something else. Maybe we have a problem with uh, reading. Maybe we have a problem with speaking. Maybe we have a problem with, with, with this different things in our life. Physically, we can't do things that we want to do. But the Lord knows those things. But He wants us, in, in spite of all of that, to give our best to Him. Amen. Why? Why would you, Brother Keegan, give your best to the Lord? Because I'll say simply this, He is worthy of everything we do. Amen. Now, I've seen men dedicate their lives to a job, and I'm thinking, that job's not worth 10 cents. That job, that job, you know, and the job turns on them, the job fires them before they get their retirement. I've seen men give all their life, give their best to their families, and then find out later on that the family falls apart. They give all their best to a hobby or to, 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 to whatever it might be, to work and to the stock market. It all fall down. But I've never seen anybody give all their best to the Lord Jesus Christ and not turn out great. Every single person I've ever met, every single person I've ever read about, every single person I've ever seen on TV who's ever given their best for Jesus Christ has always turned out better. It's always turned out great. And, and that includes Abraham. That includes Abraham right here. He, we always need to give our best, the best of the best for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 8. How do we serve the Lord? Here it is, verse 8. And, he, and Abraham took butter, and he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. The Lord's eating. See, what, things you need to understand about these angels, 
and, and the Lord. Number one, they looked like men. They didn't have wings. And number two, they're eating. I mean, we, people have this idea that angels are like these spirit beings that, uh, that uh, have angel, uh, have, have big wings and they fly up. And they, no, they look just like me and you. And Paul even warns us about angels. Beware how you entertain angels because men have entertained, uh, entertained strangers because men have entertained angels unaware. I mean, some, sometimes in our lives we run across these, these strangers and we don't realize we might be talking to an angel. And they might be eating right in front of us. But what, what Abraham shows us in verse 8, which is one of the most important things he's shown us so far. He's shown us that if you're going to serve the Lord, you've got to serve him under the tree. If you're going to serve the Lord, you've got to serve Him under the tree. And friends, I'm telling you, that tree is, is the cross of Calvary. You've got to serve Him under the tree. See there in verse 8, And he took butter and milk and calf, which he had dressed, and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree. Back in verse 4, Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. Serving Jesus Christ is serving Him under the tree. Under the cross of Calvary. The place to serve Jesus Christ is at the cross. It's you come to the cross and you leave from the cross. Serving Jesus Christ. It goes from the cross. It doesn't, you don't serve Jesus Christ trying to get to the cross. You go to the cross, you find the cross, you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and you serve Him from the cross. What this speaks to is the cross of Calvary is our home base. And when we go out serving the Lord, we know our home is back underneath that cross with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. When we get out and we're behind enemy lines, we say, I need to get back to home base, we're going to head back to the cross of Calvary. If something's going on wrong in your life and things aren't going right in your life, I can tell you where you need to get back to. You need to get back to the cross of Calvary. You need to get back to the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because that's where we serve Him. That's where our service comes from. And you're trying to serve the Lord from any other place, you're serving the Lord in the wrong way. Amen. If you're trying to serve the Lord from a place of church, saying, I'm, I just love this church, I love the people of the church, and I want, I want to make this church bigger and better and, and, and more appealing, and you're serving the Lord from the wrong place. You should be serving the Lord from the cross of Calvary. Under the tree. In other words, I'm serving the Lord because He covered me with His precious blood and died for my sins. That's why I'm serving the Lord. Because when you get that right, brothers and sisters, when you get verse 8 right and you understand that the Lord is under the tree and you need to be serving Him under the tree, that straightens all the rest of this out. Because once you realize, once you realize Jesus Christ died for me, Jesus Christ shed His blood for me, then you'll say, how can I please Him? How can I please him? And what the first thing it'll do to you is it'll humble you down. It's very humbling because you've admitted you're a sinner. You admitted you needed help. It humbles you. It makes you want to please him. It makes you want to find out more about him and the word of God. It makes you want to do those things that says, like we were just saying, it makes you want to say, I want to give my best for this man. But it all starts under the tree. Coming from any other place is the wrong place. The Lord has chosen the place He wants you to serve Him from, and it's at the cross. It's at the cross. John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus Christ says, And if I, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. That's where He's at. 
And he's drawn men unto him at the cross. I will draw all men unto me. So it starts at the cross. It's going to begin at the cross. It's going to end at the cross. For, my, for me personally, it started at the cross of Calvary when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And at the end of my life, when I take my last breath and I get up into heaven and I stand at those pearly gates and they're going to say, why should I let you into these gates of heaven? I'm going to say, because of the cross. Because of not what I did, because of what Jesus Christ did. And they're going to say, what's the password? And you're going to say, well, I went to church. They said, well, that don't work. What's the password? I was a good Bible-believing Baptist. That won't work. What's the password? Well, I gave a lot of money to the church. They're going to say, that don't work. What's the password? We know it's not Muhammad. We know it's not Buddha. Amen. What's the password? And you say, Jesus Christ. I say, well, you're getting close. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. The blood. The blood. The blood. You could only walk in to the presence of God at the Ark of the Covenant in, at, inside the temple. You only could walk up to the presence of God that was hovering above the Ark by walking on the blood Amen. of a slain lamb. I'm only going to walk into heaven on the precious blood of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Where's it at? It's under a tree. At the cross. That's where Abraham meets the Lord. You got to serve the Lord from the tree. Under the tree. And that's the only place the Lord's going to meet you. Verse 9. Verse 9. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. So Sarah was listening in. <laughs> None of y'all ladies would do that, would you? <laughs> Amen. I know I'd do the same thing. I'd be listening in behind the door. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. How old were they? Well, Sarah was about 90. Abraham was getting close to 100. That's how well stricken in age means. And it ceased to be with Sarah at the manner of women. It's obvious she's too old to have a child. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being old also, how, how am I going to have a child? And she starts laughing to herself. To herself, guys. You don't think the Lord doesn't know everything? Mm-mm-mm. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? He's not going to let her get away with it. Brothers and sisters, the Lord's not going to let you get away with stuff you want to get away with. Amen. And you're going, to, you're going to think things in your heart, and you're going to think, my wife don't even know I'm thinking this, my husband don't even know I'm thinking this, but I'm here to tell you this morning, the Lord knows you're thinking Amen. it, and the Lord's not happy with some of it. <laughs> and he's, why is she thinking that? Look what she says. Or look, uh, Lord, uh, look at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? <laughs> Good question. No. no. I know the answer to that. I'll answer it for you. No, there's nothing too hard for the Lord. At the time appointed, I will return with thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. Now you know why so many people lie. So many people lie because they're afraid. They're afraid of getting caught. They're afraid of being ridiculed. They lie because they're afraid to get in trouble. They're afraid they're going to lose something. 
uh, uh, fear is what it causes most people to lie. Now, I, I've, I work around some guys, and Joker probably knows who I'm talking about. They just lie just to try to make themselves look important. There's people that do that. I mean, if you tell a story about something that happened to you, they have a story that's two times better. No matter what story you have. If you bought a car, they just bought a truck. If you bought a truck, they just bought a diesel. If you bought a diesel, they just bought an 18-wheeler. If you bought an 18-wheeler, they just bought a helicopter. If you bought a helicopter, they just bought a, air, uh, a jet airline. If you bought a air, jet airline, they just bought the space shuttle. If you bought the space shuttle, they just brought the, bought the International Space Station. I mean, I'm not, I mean, it's almost that bad. I mean, y'all know, y'all been around guys like that. And, and we, I call them these, and then some of these guys, I call them out. I say, you're lying. You know, you know, you're not telling the truth. But some guys like that. They just will, they will just, whatever it takes. And, but most time, lying comes from fear. And that's what she does. And Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not. For she was afraid. And he said, nay, but thou didst laugh. I didn't do that, Lord. I didn't do that, Lord. No, you did do that did do that. See, God is not going to let you get away with it. And if you need to be under the tree, you need to be under the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Because if you stand before God and God's judging you and you think you're going to talk your way out of it, you have another thing coming. The Lord's not going to let you get away with it. You can stand before, you can stand before God and say, I didn't do that. And the Lord's going to say, yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. So, how does the Lord want us to serve him? Abraham's showing us, and he's showing us through his wife Sarah, that we need to serve the Lord in faith, not doubting. Amen. Not doubting. Uh, if you're going to serve the Lord, you've got to serve the Lord in faith. You can't serve the Lord in doubt. You've got to know that you're doing the right thing, the Lord's got things under control, and in the end, you're going to win. Amen. In the end, you will win. We're going to win it. In the end, we win. If you die tonight, if you fall over tonight with a heart attack or whatever happens in your life, you're a winner. Amen. You're getting to go to heaven. We're going to win in the end. This book tells us we get the victory in the end. And so we're working through to get the victory. We're waiting for the redemption. We're waiting for all these things. So uh, for us to doubt is not, is not what the Lord wants us to do. As a servant of God, Abraham's showing us that we need to live in faith. If anybody in the Bible teaches us anything, Abraham teaches us this one thing. Abraham teaches us the great importance of faith. Because the Bible says that Abraham believed God and God counted that unto him for righteousness. Amen. That's incredible. Was Abraham righteous? No. Abraham was a liar. Abraham was a lot of different things. Abraham wasn't necessarily a great person. But he believed God, and God counted that unto him for righteousness. How, how, how much is that? How strong is that? Well, Paul says in Romans chapter 4, Paul brings that back up, and he said, because he's the father of us all, because just like God, just like Abraham believed God, he counted unto righteousness, we as Christians, we believed in Jesus Christ, and he counts that unto us for righteousness. Amen. Makes us right with God. We shouldn't be living in uh, doubt. We should be living in faith. Never doubt the Lord. He's, a, he's the God of miracles. <laughs> Never doubt the Lord. I've seen it over. I've doubted what's going to happen. I've doubted things happening in people's lives. And uh, miracles happen. Amen. Just, just flat miracles happen. Listen, right there, she's laughing. Why does, he, why does the Lord call her out for laughing? I thought about that. Because I was reading there in verse... Uh, Verse, uh, right there in verse 13, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? 
And then verse 15, she was afraid, and he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. What? Yeah. It's doubt. He's calling her out because laughing is doubt. Listen, listen, guys. Laughing is for scoffers. When you're laughing at something, when somebody comes up and says, uh, I just got diagnosed with stage 4 cancer, but I want y'all to pray for me, and I want y'all to pray that the Lord's going to heal me up. If you turn your heart and you say, I don't thank the Lord. There's, there, there, no. that's, that's what scoffers do. Why are we doing that as Christians? We as Christians should say, it doesn't matter what the doctor says. We're going to pray and see if God will give us a miracle. Because I have faith He can give a miracle. That's, how, that's, a, that's what a servant does. A servant says, you know what? My, my Lord is strong enough and good enough. He can do it. Amen. We're not scoffers. Look, laughing is for scoffers. A servant says, what, stand back and watch my God work. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, because a scoffer, a scoffer is something an atheist would do. Scoffing and laughing and, <laughs> I don't see how that's going to happen. A Christian says, I don't care if you can see how it's going to happen. You stand back and watch my God work. And I think our God would be doing a whole lot more working if we would have that attitude. And have the faith to say, Lord, I, everybody else doubts you, but I know you'll do it. I know you can do it. And here's even something even stronger. And to say this, Lord, even if you don't do it, I still love you, and I'll have faith that you could have done it. Amen. Sometimes it's not having enough faith to ha make God do something. It's having, a ha having enough faith when God doesn't do something. Amen. That's real faith. Real faith is when you pray and pray and pray and pray, and it doesn't happen. What do you do then? Then you say, Lord, it was your will. You could have done it if you Amen. wanted to. You didn't do it. In the by and by, I understand why. Amen. Amen. I'm going to keep on believing. I'm not going to laugh. I'm not going to scoff. I'm not going to doubt. Doubting is what the devil uses. Amen. We're not doubters. We're believers. Amen. We're believers. All right. So moving on. Moving on. Verse 16. And the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. So they're, what they're doing is, these men are going to Sodom and Gomorrah, and they're going to destroy it. That's what's happening. And they're on their way, and they stop by. Why did they stop by Abraham's? Because God loves Abraham. And why did, he, why did Abraham say, I know why you stopped by. You stopped by because you know I'll serve you, I'll feed you, I'll give you the best of the best, and I'll serve you under this tree. So when they're going by, and they looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way, and the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Man, what a statement. All the nations of the earth are blessed by Abraham. That's true today in 2019. Now, the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? When you start serving the Lord, if you can serve the Lord in humility, Given your best of your best. You can serve him in truth and the word of God. You can serve him like Abraham's teaching us how to serve him from the cross under the tree. The Lord's going to show you stuff that he doesn't show anybody else. Amen. Amen. I'm waiting. Amen. I'm waiting for the Christian that's so consecrated, that's so close to the Lord, the Lord will show him the time of the rapture. I think a Christian who can get so close to the Lord, I think the Lord would say, 
this is about the time I'm going to come back and give it to him. But he's waiting for that person, that man, that woman, that child that's so consecrated, so separated, such a servant like Abraham that he can say, I'm going to show you something I'm not showing anybody else. But why does he do that? Why does the Lord have that attitude? He tells us there in verse 19. For I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord, to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Oh, wow. Amen. The Lord, if Abraham says and shows us how to serve the Lord, we serve the Lord by raising our children and our family in the ways of the Lord. Amen. That's how we serve him. We serve him by raising our children in the ways of the Lord. And when the Lord is served right, we're giving our best, we're in humility with the word of truth at, from the cross, we're doing all these things that he's been teaching us, but it also we raise our children, we raise our family in the ways of the Lord. We pray over our food. They, our children see us pray. Our children see us at church. Our children know that we're going to go to church. Our children know that we love the Lord. Our, our children see us going through problems in our life and us turning it over to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough to talk about it. They've got to see us living it. And the Lord knows this about Abraham. And he says, verse 19, for I know him. Does the Lord know that you'll do that? Man, I hope the Lord knows it. Or does he know that you wouldn't? That he will command his children and his household after him. Look, and they should, shall keep the way of the Lord. It's about keeping his ways. You're not perfect. Abraham wasn't perfect. I've already went over that. Abraham wasn't perfect. But he loved the Lord and he kept his ways. Amen. We're, none of us in here are going to be perfect. But you can, keep, you can love the Lord and keep his ways. And do those things. A lot of y'all know I have a, have a son and... He hasn't been at church in a long time. And I love my son. I, I pray for my son to get back in church. But I'll tell you this. My son's a grown man. He can do what he wants to do. But I raised him right. And I raised him in the Lord. And I told him I, he knows the word of God. And he knows how I feel about it. And every chance I get, I drive him nuts. Because I say, well, I'd like to see you at church. Or you should get into church. Not this church. Go to whatever church. You don't have to go to your dad's church. Go to whatever church. Just serve the Lord. And he came in the house the other day, and we were talking, and he says, Dad, I want to let you know I've been, I've been reading my Bible. And I was, I, that, 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 for a dad like me, that, that's, that's the best thing he could have told me. And he says, and I've been reading my Bible, and there's a friend at work, and I, I'm close to him. And he said, it, he said I was shocked, because he didn't know Adam. He didn't know about Eve. He didn't know anything about the Bible, Dad. Nothing. He didn't know nothing about the Bible, Dad. He goes, his, his mom and dad, they never went to church. He never, was, he never went to church. They ne never was around church. He's never around the Bible. And he, was, he's an, he says he's an atheist, and I've been talking to him, and I've been telling him about the Bible, and I've been teaching him things. And I thought to myself, praise the Lord that this kid was raised by parents. I'm talking about me that loves the Lord. I'm thankful to the Lord. The Lord gave me the grace to be able to do that. Because even when I see my son's not doing what's right, he was raised right. Amen. And that's the way a lot of us have. A lot of us have got children in here. Even when our children aren't doing right, they know what's right and wrong. Amen. Better than a kid that's out there that doesn't even know up from down, left from right. And the Lord will bless you for it. And the Lord's blessed my life for it. And I thank the Lord for that. For I know him that he will command his children. 
We should command our children. Um, don't let your children raise you. You raise your children. In our society today, we have uh, our society teaches us that the children are right. The children are right in every way. And we, if we if we was to if we pull a belt off, that we're abusing them. If we spank them, we're abusing them. The the world has all these weird views about ideas about raising a child. The world raises their dogs better than they raise their children. The world the world won't let their dogs do what they let their children do. It's a shame and a disgrace. And the Word of God says that you better spank your child or you'll spoil them. The Word of God says to keep spanking them, that if they're crying, they're not going to die. And people take that and say, well, you're abusing the children. You're abusing the children. I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do with my child. My child turned out all right. He's not an axe murderer or anything else like that. And guess what? I, I got spanked when I was raising, being raised up. I, didn't, I don't think it made me any kind of uh, criminal either. It actually, I actually needed more of it than I got. But it says you got to command his children. Don't let your children command you. I mean, <laughs> I heard this story. This guy telling me about one of his kids. And he said, I'll just call 911 on you. I'll just call 911 on you. And that dad said, if you make it over there and call 911, he said, you've probably got about five minutes before the cops get over here. And that's a long time for me to work you over. Because I'm going to work you over. And when, they, when the cops show up here to supposedly arrest me, I'm going to give them a reason to arrest me. And if they're going to arrest me, I'm going to have some fun doing it. And the kid didn't go over there and call 911 for some reason. The point is, that kid thought he was going to bow up. And that's the way the society is. They take the kid's side on everything. Ask any teacher what society's like. With these kids. These, these people raise their, don't, don't raise their kids. They don't command their kids. And then they send them off to school and expect the teachers to straighten them out. The teachers to discipline them. Amen. We've got one in our family right now. This little kid, he's like a little animal. He's like a little ape, like a little monkey. He's all, we take him, they take him out to eat and he's just crawling all over everything. Just everywhere, just crawling all over everything. Gets up underneath the table and everything else. And, and, and I, when I'm sitting there eating, I'm just like this, like stone-faced. Don't do it, Keegan. Don't do it. Don't do it, Keegan. Because I just want so bad just to and pull my belt off. You know, here we go. And it's quick, Just start whipping him. And I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take it. I wouldn't let a dog act that way. You know, and then, and then they take him over to the daycare, and I'm like, well, the daycare's having a problem with him. Oh, that's a big surprise. <laughs> they can't, the daycare's having a lot of, you know, you, you raise up this monster and then expect them to, to put it off on somebody else to raise your monster. It's too late. Amen. If you don't start young, it's too late. Amen. Way too late. I didn't mean for this sermon to turn into that, but that's what the Lord wants for you this morning. Command your children. Don't let them command you. And if the government tells you something different, don't listen to the government. Amen. And I know we live in a society where they're trying to arrest us for every little thing and try to find you for every little thing, but sometimes you've got to call their bluff. Call it. What I'm trying to say is have a little guts. People, they, people uh, just recently I heard of somebody, they, they said, I'll just get my lawyer. And that, they just rolled over and showed their belly. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. I said, why don't you just say, go get your lawyer then, idiot. Go get your lawyer. You look like you can't even afford a Coke, but you're going to go afford a lawyer. Ask Brother Adams what it's like to afford a lawyer. Yeah, go get your lawyer. Like this lawyer is going to do it for free. 
Listen, if you don't have the money, then shut up. Stop threatening to sue me on every little thing. The point is, show some guts and say, call their bluff and say, I'm going to call the cops. I say, you go call them. I, I, I know a guy at work there. He was at Walmart and he spanked his kid. And this lady came over, this woman came over to him and said, I don't appreciate you treating that kid that way. And my friend from work, he told that lady, he says, if you don't get out of my face, I'm going to punch you in the face. That's what he told her. I said, what did she do? He said, she left. I said, well, that's probably a good thing she did that. Did the cops come around? No. I did, I, that's what I did. I, I, if the cops would come in, I'd say, I felt threatened. She came over here, and I thought she was going to hit me, so I told her, if you don't get out of me, I'm going to hit you. The point is, call their bluff. Amen. There's schools all over this state of Texas that pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Up in Dallas, they just whiff. Oh, we, but one, one, one family's not happy, and so they shut everything down. Show some guts, man. If there's anything America's known for is having some guts. Stop letting people run all over you. Command your children. Don't let your children command you. Amen. Shows us how we should serve the Lord. Abraham did a good job there showing us how we should serve the Lord. We should serve the Lord in humility, in pleasing the Lord, in the truth of the word, by giving the best of our best from the cross, in faith without doubting, and by raising your family in the ways of the Lord. If you can do all that, if you continue reading this chapter, and I'm closing right now, but if you finish reading this chapter, Abraham and the Lord have a great Talk where Abraham convinces the Lord not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah if it only has so many people. And he keeps, he keeps talking to the Lord and the Lord of, him and the Lord and he changes the Lord's mind. And it's amazing. What it shows you is if you can be a great servant of the Lord, the Lord will answer your prayers. Amen. And you'll have a beautiful, wonderful relationship with God. Amen. But it all starts with humility. Amen. The richest man in the world is going to have to bow the knee to Jesus Christ. It's all humility. Because Abraham could have said, man, I'm a rich man. I'm not going to go out there and serve them. God, what's he doing over here? No, Abraham bowed himself toward the ground in verse 2. If you'll just start out with humility, the rest of this stuff is easy. But it's the humility part that gets so many people. Swallow your pride and say, you know what, Lord? I'm your servant. See, just saying that, he had to do it in humility. I'm nobody's slave. I'm nobody's servant. Yeah, you are a Christian. You're the Lord's servant. You're the Lord's slave. You belong to the Lord. And you need to serve Him because He's worthy of everything you do. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3 verse 16. And most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now it's an amazing verse of course talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.